0: The power isn't that wonderful amen Jesus transferred the keys to us so it's good to use them amen amen and, and good to use your faith and use your your voice and your uh, your gifts and abilities. To advance and establish his kingdom down here on earth. He does it for our benefit. We can live a better life with his kingdom rule in place. So it's an honor to be able to carry the name of Jesus, amen, into the earth. We're not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. All right. Why don't we get started? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for hope. Thank you for confidence. Thank you for faith. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for our inheritance, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you have graciously blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We ask you, Lord, to assist us by your anointing. Open our ears. Open our hearts. We yield ourselves to you, Father, that we might receive what you have for us today. We love you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today about the fact, fact that your faith will take you across the finish line. Amen. It will take you, amen. It will take you across the finish line. You know, there's no sense setting goals if they're never realized. Amen. There's no sense praying if it's never received. And so you need to understand that God has planned for you to cross the finish line of receiving what it is that you desire from him by faith. Uh, faith is, is spiritual substance, and it's very, very powerful when it's activated, ignited, and it's released in our lives. If it's released consistently, then we'll get the benefit of what we desire from God, one of the problems that people run into is they want to believe god for a minute and then not believe him want to live in doubt and live in fear and live in the other negative uh, aspects of of our our spiritual and mental condition uh, we we don't want to do the whole job for some reason you know uh, sometimes you'll find people that uh um, look down upon people who are what we would call devout people committed people uh on fire people they look at people who live consistently for god if something's wrong with them they don't have a life i can get out and kick it and get what i want too. well you can't really do that you know you wish you could but you can't really do that because the blessings of god are more of an inheritance then they are a step and formula gimmicky kind of thing you know anybody can read so and so's five steps to to prosperity or uh, five steps to this and five steps to that and once you do three steps you about ready to quit you understand what i'm saying you want to i don't know if this going to work at all they talking about five steps three ain't really don't seem to be doing nothing and so we you know, <laughs> You know, you lose faith in the step and formula, and sometimes that's a good thing. Because step and formula won't get you where relationship will get you. Amen? Because in relationship, there's a, a real person that you can, uh, relate to. There's a, a relationship there. There is a knowing about that individual. There's a reality to that relationship. See, step and formula can be a paper thing or an open book thing. You know, you just open up that Bible and look at something and grab it and it's yours. But God is not uh, words on a page, a paper. God is God and he is alive. And he is uh, someone that wants to have relationship with us. I think that's number one we need to understand. He wants us. Amen. He wants to be friends with us. He wants to keep relationship with us. And so once you understand the type of person God is or the type of personhood he has, then it's much easier to relax in that if your steps and your formulas aren't quite right, at least your relationship is good. See, it's like, say for instance, you, there's a, a young couple that starts out in life and they have all these plans for uh, great things. You know, we're going to build a home and it's going to have this many rooms. We're going to have this many children. We'll have nice vehicles. We'll have this and we'll have that. If your, your planning only relates to the material, you're going to find that at some point that's not even going to happen because of the relationship factor is never factored in right? what we really want to say is we want to build a relationship where we love and respect one another we encourage one another see nobody likes talking about stuff like that because it doesn't sound real exciting but that's the kind of stuff that life's made of see those are the things that are going to make the the material things that you acquire more meaningful They'll make them more enjoyable. They'll make them last longer, even though, you know, even in Christian circles, we don't like to talk about the invisible things of life so much. We want to put everything, like, you know, with with faith teaching, we boil down the, the quality of your faith is based on how many things you can acquire with it. You understand what I'm saying? And that's a big mistake that we've made. You know, people talk about, well, teaching has to be balanced. Well, you balance it. See, you get out there and talk about stuff people you think people really don't want to hear about and see how popular you are. And see, that's really what it's come down to. We've sacrificed the meaningful things of life to attain the things that will perish. Amen those things you won't be able to take with you you'll be able to take souls with you you'll be able to take the reassurance that you all your kids were saved after all you understand what i'm saying and they were successful too amen saved and successful in a material sense you know and and even if you don't get all the material do you have a a, a relationship where you know uh uh um, a husband can look at a wife and say you know what she always had confidence in me no matter how difficult it got and how much missed out or we didn't get that we wanted to have I knew she had my six you know what I'm saying I knew she was with me she didn't abandon me she always built me up I never overheard her talking bad about me to her girlfriends on the phone or her relatives or my relatives you got me, huh? Same thing with the wife, you know. He stuck by me. I was very wild and foolish when we first got together. But a little bit over the years, amen, he tamed me down and helped me, huh? Quit sleeping with the revolver under my pillow. Huh? Cause somebody says, dead killer, dead shooter brother, before breakfast, you know. <laughs> Ain't no, ain't gonna be no breakfast. What you mean what we have for breakfast? We we might not live that, you might not live that long. Am I right, Poppy? Thought so. Uh Huh? So those are the things, and believe it or not, those are the things when your children and grandchildren see them. Huh? Cause I can, I can tell you my dad, because of drinking, didn't, was not the best provider for the family. But I can tell you that my desire to have a lasting marriage came from them. See? Because they stayed married. They, you didn't leave people back in the day. Leave them to do what? You know, you were too scared that, That, you know, you wouldn't make it too well yourself by yourself. You know, you knew you needed that person because you had a commitment to them. And so I can credit them for giving me the confidence that you could have a marriage that lasted till death do you part. that don't mean you kill up each other either. You know what I'm saying? It was a good thing. And so those are the lasting things. Because the things that we didn't have in a material sense, God has long since blessed me with abundance of things. So those things will come. You understand what I'm saying? But these things that you can't see that are valuable, the riches of of internal things, riches of your spirit, uh, the riches of of showing patience in front of your children, showing love in front of your kids and, and understanding and all that kind of stuff, That kind of stuff you cannot buy. Amen. It won't come with just a confession. It will come with the testing of your faith and confidence in God to pull you through those difficult times. And so God wants us to understand how valuable relationship is with him over things that we may think we can acquire without so much focus on relationship. See. Because in the end, it's going to boil down to do you know that you know that you know that God will do it for you. And see, if you know that you know that you know, you must have some kind of relationship with him. It doesn't come based on your much speaking and much confessing and much staying in the world and mumbling and meditating, all in steps people tell you to do. You know, you've been studying the word for 15 years and then all of a sudden somebody comes and tell you you're doing it wrong. Then you go and do what they tell you to do and it don't get any better any faster. So you go back to what you know. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and so it, it's just that way with God. You check in with him about these things. Make sure you understand where his heart and his mind are in the things that, that you desire. And your faith will always get because your faith is in him. It's not in you. It's not in your steps and formulas. not in your confession. But your faith is now transferred over into God. And once you do that, you have to hang on for the ride, you gotta really trust, and you gotta understand that God will pull you through. Amen. Here, faith will get you across the finish line. So why don't we turn to Matthew chapter 14, and uh, we'll talk about what's going on here. Now, there's several things going on in this chapter. One of which is we're having the miracle lunch. You got me? Where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Right after that, the crowd is very large. And so, but Jesus has an appointment on the other side of the lake. Amen. And so he tells the disciples, you go ahead in this boat ahead of me. I'll, I'll make sure the crowd gets dispersed and then I'll meet you on the other side. Just because you, you feel like God has told you He's gonna meet you somewhere. You know, there are some times where in your walk of faith, God may seem to be absent. Anybody ever felt like that? Like I'm out here making my dry confession, my dry prayer, and God, where are you? You know? And so there are times when we might feel that God is absent or distant. And those are the times where your faith is being tested. See, there's no test. If I told you it's an open book test every time we had one, huh? You can take a nap during the teaching. You can go out to and have a, a, a dinner date and come back. You can absent yourself in a lot of ways because you say, hey, the book is open when I get back here. Amen? The, the point of the open test, and I do it that way, I don't know, you know, some other people may do it for other reasons, but I do it because I want you to know that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God's not slapping you around because you don't get all the answers right. This ain't like secular school. Let's get the secular school mentality out of each other and just enjoy the message, enjoy learning, enjoy all of that. But you will be tested. See, I'm not the one to test you on the knowledge of the word of God. He'll test you. So I have no fear that you're going to have to open book test or not. You're going to have to know something in order to get the things that you, amen, things that you desire from God. So I don't have to sweat, y'all, because I know you're going to do enough of your own sweating. I don't know what happened because God, be, God told me. God told me. God told me. that it ain't happened yet. Yes, No? So that's enough sweat for y'all. You understand what I'm saying? I can't sweat y'all. You can't sweat twice. That's double jeopardy. Amen. So anyway, it, the test will come. Amen. All God has to do is get you to the point where you release your faith in something, and the test is going to come automatically. Why does your faith have to be tested? You know, we all, everybody wants the open book test, the easy grade. Huh? Because we're basically trophy oriented people. Huh? You ever seen uh uh parents that had a little trophy room for the kids? We saved all his trophies from when he was in most of them participation. <laughs> well he's the only one that showed up that day and so <laughs> So the trophies don't really mean much. What I want to see is what can the kid really do after... What can you do for real with what you supposedly have accomplished with all your trophies sitting up here? Because that's really where the rubber meets the road in life is what What are you doing with all your perfect grades on the open book test at the empowerment meeting? What are you doing with... All of the, you know, uh, read the Bible in one year kind of things. You know, all your speed read situations. What are you doing with it? And see, God is going to help you to find out. Because you need to know what your faith will do. And isn't that the big fear for all of us? Is knowing what's real about us. Knowing what we really can do. What we can't do. I can do all things through christ well you better get to getting because there's needs around here don't tell me huh let's see some proof uh, it's true so that's our great fear is that we're gonna find out that his grace is not sufficient for us that we can do all things through christ and that he's prayed for us already and our faith won't fail see we're scared of finding that out ain't the devil dirty he keeps us all knotted up and balled up well i'm gonna just confess the word i don't need to talk to god and see what the hold up is because you really don't want to know because you scared as you and you scared of something that can't be fixed So that's why we live in darkness a lot of times. Stumbling around when we don't have to. Being afraid of the God who saved us. Remember, you're going to go to live in heaven with him one day and you're scared of him every day. You're scared of what he's going to say. You're scared he's going to tell you you can't have something. He's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see what I'm saying? And so this this fear mentality is something that has to be dealt with continually. Because you can overcome it in one situation and the next time you turn around, it's right back again. Huh? Fear, you know, it's fear is like a little uh I don't know, you ever been a you know, have a bug fly in the, your car or something, it's just there all the time. You open the window, let get out of here in the name of Jesus. And it goes right on your nose. Well, fear is like that. Huh? Uh, You know, it's, well, I was, maybe I shouldn't give this example. y'all. But see, I'm a nurse. I'm liable to say anything. Ex-nurse. But you ever pick your nose somewhere you shouldn't pick it and then you can't get rid of it? That's where fear is. You understand what I'm saying? Why did you mess with him you should have left him in your nose where it was safe see everybody's been there huh this is true there's a sticky booger you can't get rid of huh there was some poor man there was a man out in the, in in, the, in detroit outside our church in detroit and he kept walking around the building looking in and walking around i said well i don't have nothing to shoot him with so i'm gonna have to talk to him lord and you just help me and so i asked him i said i said can i help you with something and i said you need some water you know because it was hot out you always give anybody some water he said no 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 and he kept doing this and then he finally broke down he said you got tissues i said, <laughs> I say, I help a brother out. I say, yeah, I got the tissues. So, you know, I mean, it's a problem. <laughs> what can I tell you? It's a problem. And so God wants us to quit flirting with fear. You know what, when I say flirt, because really you have, you have the power to say no to it when it first creeps up on you. But no, you, It's not like it was the last time. This time the devil has some information for me that I can use in my life with God. You understand? So we entertain stupidity. huh? That's why the Bible says, consider not. Consider not. That means that when fear starts speaking, you don't even let him talk to you because he has nothing good to offer you huh consider not don't even think about it don't even entertain it don't let it come into your head you let it come in your head it's gonna stick in there and it's gonna be hard for you to get it out huh because we always get curious that fear is finally telling us the truth about something it's it's a lying spirit from beginning to end It will never, and see, fear is a spirit and it's trying to give you something to attach itself to, to give it life and give it meaning. Like when fear comes upon you, uh, you'll say, well, it must be, I must be scared of so-and-so and and -and such-and-such. So you invited it in and you gave it meaning. You're not really scared of that because God didn't give you that spirit. See, your spirit, man, is sitting up there like, boy, I'll be glad when she gets over this one so I can take over again and help this chick out, huh? Instead of you giving it life by giving it, attaching it to some object, huh? People say, well, I'm fear of dying. I'm fear, I'm scared of living. I'm scared of poverty. I'm scared of prosperity. You'd be scared of everything, huh? Huh? It makes no sense whatsoever. So you might as well do what the Bible says and consider not. God did not give it to you. That means you don't have to receive it. But he gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Cause fear will drive you crazy looking for things to attach it to. So you cannot entertain fear. You cannot. Because you can rebuke it and override it at every turn. Now people say something like oh, fear has uh, 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 protective powers for us. And it does to some degree. But we're talking about in the natural. Like, yeah, be afraid of falling off a cliff if you drive through that fence. because. But those are natural things. There are people who have driven off cliffs and supernaturally landed. Do you understand? I'm not saying doing it as a practice. (laughs) But if you find yourself in that position, you can call on the name of Jesus and he'll take everything and make that situation work out right for you. So there's really no reason to fear anything because we have the power of God to override everything that would hinder us from receiving our inheritance. Because by rights, these things belong to you. By rights of your covenant with God, these things belong to you. And the devil will do anything he can to shake you loose from your inheritance. He likes it when we think God's disappointing us. He likes it when we think it's taking too long. He likes it when we think God's not going to come through for us. He's going to let us perish. He's going to let me die. Huh? God's not gonna let anybody die. If you don't want to die, you don't have to die. You can live. He says, "Choose life." So you you have a choice between laying before you blessing and cursing. Choose life, Amen. So that you and everything you care about can live, Amen. <clears throat> so, in Matthew chapter fourteen, so they they fed the 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 five thousand people. Verse 22, after that, straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So Jesus needed time to pray recharge himself, get with the Father about what was coming up next. You see this very often in the Gospels. How many times can you recount Jesus went apart to pray, got up early in the morning to pray. He always spent time with the Father so that he can get his instructions for living. And see, this is important for us to know because there are so many people that try to Keep it going and keep it moving on so little contact, living contact with the living God. You've got to have that. So you can see Jesus' confidence and faith is born out of what? Relationship with the Father. So relationship is highly important. It's highly effective to prepare us for the challenges that life on earth will bring to us. Amen? Amen. Whenever Jesus spoke to the disciples, he imparted the faith to obey him in his conversation. So if if you were listening to him speak to you in that conversation, if you would obey his instruction, there is enough faith on his words to carry you through to the, the finality of what he told you to do. In other words, whatever he instructs you to do is going to work out. Mary, Mary knew that. She had such confidence in him, not because he was her boy, you know, but because she knew his relationship with his father and that whatever he told him to do would work. She had that kind of confidence. So much so that she told some servants at a wedding. That whatever he tells you to do, do it, just do it and so when when you understand the confidence that you can have in him, then you'll realize that when God gives you instructions and they don 't have to be spoken directly to you, it can be you read the word and you, it, it got in you that that you should do these things. these are answers. To to questions that you've had on the inside of you. God begins to impart his instruction into your spirit. And you meditate on it. And you make up your mind you're going to obey this and do what God's told you to do. And you get up and do it and you follow through on it. And it works. It works. As long as you're not distracted and deterred from obedience. And see that's where the devil comes in. And that's where the test comes in. Because your faith will be tested. Period. Because you don't know what it can do. And you still got to prove to God that you believe him. So the test is going to come. It's not like, oh God, you know I know that. Mm, I do. And you're going to prove it too. You understand what I'm saying? If you know it so well, you should have no problem proving it to me. Amen. And so uh, Jesus said, he sends the disciples away. He says, I'm going to meet you on the other side. I'm going to meet you. And and so uh, when he had sent the multitude away, verse 23, he went to the mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But right away Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it's me, don't be afraid. And Peter, answering him, said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out where you are. And he said, come on with your bad self. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Yeah, why do we doubt? It's a good question to ask. Why does anybody doubt? Huh? your faith will take you to the other side. Now, this is the issue sometimes with us. Jesus has already told them. What did he tell them to do? Get in the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. Obviously, he's going to meet them there because he ain't in the boat with them. Huh? So his instruction and his vision for them and the vision that they should carry as well is that they will make it over to the other side without him with them. And then he'll meet them over there, right? So they know he's not going to be there. They know that they can't expect him to be there. They know all of these things. The other thing is that it's interesting to me how Important it is to allow God to help you to understand things because all of these 12 disciples have just been involved in a miracle. If you look at what Jesus did, he took that bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave each of the disciples part of that meal to pass out to other people. Many times, because we're in an atmosphere of power, we assume power. Instead of allowing power to be imparted to us. So if you're in an atmosphere where miracles are done, you can feel like the jolly green giant. Because that atmosphere affects everybody that's in that atmosphere. Like when we when we have glory impartations, they're being released to you. But if you're sitting here in the altars here, you can get some of it just from where you're sitting. You know there's something happening at the altar that's powerful, that's unique, that's not ordinary. So you get some of it because you're in the atmosphere. You know what it feels like. You know what it can do. You know the effect that it has on people. But that's not the same thing as having an impartation. So here all 12 of these disciples have handled miracle working power, multiplication power. They've seen this, this one fish get to be 5,000 fishes after a while. And these two loaves of bread get to be 5,000 loaves of bread and more after a while because they had leftovers. But just because you're in an atmosphere doesn't mean you carry the atmosphere. Or that you know what to do with the atmosphere if you could carry it. huh? It's just like... Uh, If I wanted to drive Big Howard's truck if I sit in there long enough that don't mean I have the skill to drive it. You got me? If I sit in my garage long enough that don't make me a car. And see this is the assumption that many believers make about the power of God. They want it. They see it. They believe in it. They see what it can do. They see the results. Look at how many people go to Benny Hensley. We used to see people that had a bus every time he would go somewhere. They were going to a different city, and and you t- asked to the, I asked them and talked to them about healing, and they was dumb as two rocks. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You you get them alone, and they'd argue with them about, well, the doctor said. And the doctor said, and they carting people back and forth to the meetings all the time. See, just because you're taking people back and forth, that don't mean you know nothing about nothing. It don't put that power on you either. Huh? There's a way to get it. But you got a relationship with God (laughs) in order. (laughs) See, most people stand on the outside looking in because they're scared to ask how to get it for themselves. And many of them, once they've given the opportunity to get it, don't want to pay the price. They want to assume it. So here we have Peter. He's one of the 12, and they've been told what to do. They've been told to get in that boat and stay in there till you get to the other side. Other than that, you'd have to swim. You'd have to wait for the Staten Island Ferry to come by or whatever else you're waiting on. To You'd have to hitchhike on a shark, get swallowed up by a big fish, something, but you don't have to stay in that boat to to obey God. So here you can see that Peter... I think when he stood up in that boat, he felt the constraint of Jesus' command on them to stay in that boat. Because he had to ask permission to get out. And God will give you permission to do things. You want to try your wings, spread your wings, do a little bit more, get into something a little deeper, a little more you know fun for spiritual people he'll accommodate you he'll allow you he'll give you permission because eventually that's what they're going to need they're going to need the elisha double portion kind of thing because when jesus leaves it's going to be a very very uh a tough transition for them to come out of the simple uh jesus always being there in in waiting on his every word even though the holy spirit will do the same thing in relationship with them the holy spirit will start to speak to him just like jesus did he'll be with them and empower them just like jesus did with his words and his impartation but that's going to be another season yet before they get into that place where they can can stretch out a little bit more according to what the situation calls for. So here we have Peter deciding after this this boat is tossed and, and turning and churning, he sees Jesus walking on on the water. Now Jesus hears their fear, and he when they notice that it's him he sees they're not just scared of the wind, they're scared of him too. So he tells them, it's me, don't be afraid, calm down. When Jesus sees us fearful, he always makes accommodations to take the fear away. Why? Because he knows that fear will bring with it a bunch of other little helpers to keep you messed up so that your faith won't work, so that you won't feel that God is with you, so you won't have the confidence that God wants you to do this. He knows that if he leaves fear there, it's going to pull and sap the faith right out of you, and you'll start to think more in terms of fear. You'll start to obey fear. You'll make fear your master instead of you mastering it. He wants us to see also that we have authority over fear. Jesus always took authority over every satanic element that was in his proximity. He did not share his atmosphere with the devil. He did not entertain what the enemy was saying. He took authority. That was his, that was his only relationship to the devil was to make him shut up, get out of the way, disappear so that he can get the work of the ministry done. That's something that I think we need to understand that you have a a housekeeping job to do before you can, can really work in the power of God. The Bible says being ready, being in the ready to avenge disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. You got to get fear out of your life before you can operate and work in faith accurately so that you can pull the blessings of God into your life the way He wants you to. You can't entertain fear and make excuses and feel sorry for yourself. Well, I'm just scared. I, I don't know what. <laughs> need to slap yourself three times. Amen. And go get in your word. Because you've made a pet out of impotence. So you're not powerful. And you want to appear powerful. And this is where Peter is. He's no more powerful than any of the rest of those disciples sitting in that boat to get up and do what he's trying to do. But he feels he wants to do it anyway. The reason people do things are as complex or as simple as the people are. Peter, always known as somebody wanting to stand out. Wanting to be next to Jesus after all, he was the one that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Huh? He's always kind of stood out as a little more wanting to be, have access to Jesus. Wanting to prove that he was right up there, you know, teacher's pet, head of the class, whatever you want to call it. He, he wants to be the standout guy. So, he's in the flesh pretty much you got me in the flesh number one because of the fear factor when we give in to fear we give into a whole host of other demon spirits that cloud our thinking and confuse our brain so peter's there in the boat probably he's been thinking all along i want out of this boat because he had no confidence that he was going to get over to the other side With that storm whipping up the way it was, sapped all the faith and and confidence in Jesus that he had. That's why Jesus showed up when he did. He knew their faith was seeping out of them. And so he shows up to give them confidence again. He always helps your faith. When you know him in relationship, you know he will, if your faith gets weak, If you want to quit, if you want to give up, before you utter those words, realize that he will come to help your faith. We think we got to read all the word and confess all the word to prove to him that we believe. You don't set the test for proving that you believe. He sets the test. You spouting off the word and confessing and feeling all good about yourself and think you're proving something to God. You ain't proving nothing to Him. He said, "Well, if you're really that confident, I'ma up the ante on your test. I'll give you something a little more challenging. You want to be an honor student? I'll show you how to get honor." And that's where Peter is. Peter wants to be the head of the class, the honor student, the one who, the people, and when people say, Peter says, ooh, I can see it now, they're going to be saying, ooh, you walked on that water. It is written in my Bible that, yeah, he did that, but yeah, he sank too. See, if you're looking for honorable mention, you want your name to be immortalized, the Holy Ghost will tell the whole story on you. So we know Peter as the guy who stepped out and couldn't cut the mustard. Had to step right back in again. Huh? Jesus always shows up at your time of trouble. You notice he didn't come before the winds got bad. He's not your babysitter. He's your savior and your companion. Huh? He comes in the nick of time. We want him to take all of the the discomfort and pain and, you know, all of that out of everything for us. We want easy street Christianity. We want no test because we know this already. Huh? Uh, I don't have to be tested on that because you know I know that. Oh, really? You can get a chance to prove it. Certainly you won't mind proving it again and again and again and again and again since you know it already. should be easy for you. So Jesus shows up, verse 25, at the time of their trouble. When the winds are boisterous, when they're in their height of fear, When he comes to them, they don't even recognize him. They're so crazed with fear and panic. Huh? They think it's a ghost. They got so deep over in fear, they start having hallucinations. So this ship is full of fear. There's nobody in there encouraging them in the word. There's nobody. See oftentimes people can be your biggest help or they can be your worst enemy amen so peter being who he is decides um maybe i just need to get out of this boat he probably wanted out of that boat a long time ago and he sees jesus as his safety and his security and instead of saying jesus please i'm so glad to see you get me out of here which is in him to say he looks around and sees his boys yeah them boys uh, i can't be weak in front of them let me let me see how i can fix this up so i can look like i want to look like peter i don't want to look like them he was the most scared person in that boat because the rest of them we're just being obedient to Jesus. They all sat in there and stayed in there once Jesus said, it's me, don't be afraid. But Peter had more fear than any of them did. And he didn't care if they stayed in there and drowned. He was leaving. I mean, this is the way people are. You'll have people that that wanted to agree in prayer with you for stuff, and then all of a sudden they bail. Right, right, right. Huh? Right. And somebody came to me that, you know, the, the devil's been inching them away from God little bit by little bit. You know, you, you have to know when they, the final cord is. And they've been believing God to reconcile their marriage for like 12 years or so. Came to me one day and said, Oh, God never told me he was going to put us back together again. I said oh well that's it then you understand what I'm saying you can't force somebody to hold on to faith you can't hold on to faith when you're not believing God when you're not being obedient to him you don't come to church you think because you pray once a week or whatever you're okay with God it's the greatest deception you gotta be obedient to God to be okay with him you understand what I'm saying So here's Peter. He walks out the boat. You got me? Now he's been under the influence of the anointing. Now God, Jesus imparted to them and they could go off on their own and do miracles, signs and wonders. He's been under the influence of it. You hear what I'm telling you? Like we all are under the influence of the anointing every time we get together. But that doesn't mean you can leave here and do everything that you think the anointing allows you to do. Because it has not been imparted to you. Even when it's imparted to you, you got to go where God tells you to go and do what he tells you to do. I couldn't go over to somebody else's meeting and sit in the audience and, and think I'm going to go take over because God anointed me. See that anointing, that'll prove to you in five minutes, a New York minute, that it don't belong to you. It's equipment that you use, huh? I couldn't pull the trigger on the anointing in somebody else's atmosphere without their permission any more than, than you could, you could Uh, be a policeman and shoot their gun just because you know how a gun works you're not no cop so here's peter he's learning a few things amen that's all it is just a little lesson out in the middle of the ocean but it's a good one The ship was full of fear. Let me tell you one of the reasons, and and this is the problem we get into sometimes anyway. These men, at least half of them in this boat, were were professional fishermen. Peter being number one. As professional fishermen, what do you think they're relying on, faith-wise, to get over to the other side? Their, Their abilities in the natural, their natural skills. Whenever God tells you to do something, you have to put your natural skills aside and let the leading of the Holy Spirit carry you to where you need to go. You can tell they were depending on natural ability because this is the way they freak out whenever a storm comes up. Huh? I don't know if it starts to fill up, we got to bail water out of here they done that to Jesus several times. He was asleep in the bottom of the boat and they came and woke him up. Don't you care if we die? They always think they're going to die when the sea is rough, huh? And then they're they're shocked and surprised when they make it across and they're still alive. So like many of us, it was so hard for me to get my healing this time, man. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> Some people tell you that, huh? You think experience with being healed once would encourage them to walk in divine health. But many of them resort to the doctor. They don't want to go through what they went through the last time. They don't realize it's probably easier the second time around because you've got a foundation of faith underneath you. But see, what people remember many times is the negative aspects of their past trials. That's why they don't want to go through that again. Understand? Understand? I had to, to let God heal me of fear of recurring nervous breakdown. Because that's the history of people that that have have mental issues. Huh? Because they get in a revolving door. I've seen it working with crazy people. It's just a revolving door, they keep coming back over and over and over again. And God had to cure me of the fear of it coming back again. Because you can, you can get yourself in a, a a panic when you get in some of the similar situations and you feel that, that spirit coming upon you and all that kind of stuff. He had to teach me how to get control of my thoughts and fight my way out of that. So I didn't constantly fear when's it going to, if you fear what's going to happen, you won't want to do anything different than sit up and wonder when it's going to happen. And God would not have us live like that. And so you have to constantly understand who your enemy is and how to overcome him. So here Peter is, he wants out of this boat bad. But he sees his boys watching him, so he got to play it off. You understand? You know, so he stands up like a boss that he wants to be. Um, Jesus, if that's really you, now he knew that was him. Or he wouldn't have been standing up saying this nonsense. So in order for me to know that's you, let me do something that nobody else has the guts to do. And Jesus said, come on. Jesus knew all along how far that come Would take him. Huh? Just like he knew. See your strongest command. Is your original instruction. That's where the most power to help you is going to come from. What did God originally tell you he was going to do? before you step in and want to add plan B because you're tired of plan A and you're scared he's not going to do it for you you go back to him with a substitute something for you people who keep altering your list of what you want from a spouse (laughs) because it's about down to blind, cripple, and crazy (laughs) well I don't have to have that They don't need two legs. Huh? If he can't see, he won't know if burn the biscuits or what. I'll just tell him that's charcoal seasoning. We're having blackened biscuits tonight. It's a new, it's a new recipe. I've been in my Louisiana cookbook. Up in Ohio cooking, Louisiana. Anywho, so here's Peter doing his thing. But it's kind of interesting how faith operates. See, God can give you faith for the substitute. But it's going to be harder for you to get that with an order already standing for his best. That's why a lot of people don't get the substitute either. Faith demands that you believe God for the desire of your heart. It wasn't in Peter's heart to jump out there and walk on that water. It was in his heart to get out that boat. But once he got out there, he felt he found the going was a lot tougher In his problem, he never addressed the problem of the fear. And this is the other thing we have to understand. If we let fear go along for the ride, he going to ride until he can step right back in there and mess everything up. See, we think we can ignore these demon spirits that come and try to hinder what we're doing because we scared of them too. And so we figure, well, we just override, we just ignore this fear. If Jesus gives me permission, I know I got it made. But what you going to do about the fear? Well, he can deal with, no, he's not going to deal with that. He gave you the keys to the kingdom. He don't have the keys to unlock you from fear anymore. So Peter steps out in the fear with him the distraction with him, the confusion with him, all them devils jump out the boat with him because he never addresses them. So here we got faith in Jesus going towards something that he really didn't give us. See, the corporate faith is greater than your individual stepping out away from the corporate group. So he's got all this working against him. you got the original command of Jesus, the corporate faith of the believers in the boat, the sea, the winds, your fear. You've stepped out into a worse situation trying to get away from something you were were on your way to accomplishing if you just stuck with it. See, when it gets close to the finish line and we feel like it's not going to happen, that's the worst time to let go. That's a time where you go to sleep with your Bible, you wake up with your Bible, you turn, whoever turns you on faith-wise, you turn them on. Don't turn on the step and formula people. You turn on the miracle people. Turn on them people that scare you that you don't know how they get done, what they get done, but God shows up in because that's who you are right now. You don't know how he's going to do it, but you know you need him to step up there and step up real big. You don't need another confession lesson. You need something that's going to put miraculous expectation in you. I don't know how this is going to happen, God, but I know you're big enough, you're bad enough, you're strong enough, and you love me enough to do it. You've got to rely on relationship. Peter thought he was relying on relationship, but he found something out about Jesus he didn't know. And when Jesus gives you a first command, he means for you to follow through on it. He doesn't mean for you to break rank. He don't mean for you to try to stand out. He doesn't mean for you to try to twist his arm to let him break the rules for you. You ain't special. Huh? You want to be special, Peter? It's going to cost you something. This is what it costs to be special. Huh? Peter was no more capable, faith-wise of walking on that water, than he was capable of being comfortable sitting in that boat. Because he was in the flesh. He's watching everything. He's looking at everything. He's distracted. But yet, he's going to try to fool everybody and think that's not affecting him like it's affecting everybody else in the boat. See, if you're smart, you'll stay with the corporate thing. Huh? I don't care if everybody got fleas. I don't care if everybody getting fleeced every week. I don't care. But if you stay with the corporate, hang. (laughs) Moses had a church of backbiters, backstabbers, disgruntled people, angry people. They still walked in divine health. There was not a feeble one among them. Everybody had wealth. Why people think it's a novelty for Christians to be wealthy and healthy, I have no idea. We've made it harder than what it is. All you gotta do is hook up with the right herd and stay where you're supposed to be. You can walk in all of that. Huh? All them people came across the Red Sea, they're scared, they're nervous, backbite. I don't know what, look, who is this Moses? I don't know nothing about. Oh, you mean that But oh, he ain't really one of us. He Egyptian, ain't he? <laughs> And still they walked in divine hell. When the backbiting got so bad, they got sick, but God healed them. All they did to do is come to their right mind and God heals them every single time. That gives us hope. Jesus went to the disciples at their time of trouble. You need to know you have more help than you know. He knows you're scared. He knows you want to give up. He knows you don't want to go through this test thing. He knows you think it's unfair. You think he's not going to do anything. He knows all of that. He still loves you and he's still going to help you. You must leave your faith in Jesus in order to make it across the finish line. When you're in trouble, he knows it and he will always send a word to help your faith. The disciples, Peter's reaction is one of a person who is distracted from the goal that God set before them. Peter wants to save himself. They don't care about everybody else. We must remember that leaving the boat may require greater faith than staying in the boat. Staying the course that God has set for you. He already knew when he told you to do it, what it was going to cost you. And that price has been paid. All you got to do is stay with the plan and ride it out. What's going on in Peter's mind? Number one, self-preservation. He's scared and he sees Jesus and wants himself saved only. That's why he steps away from the rest of the disciples. He wants to have freedom from fear. He wants to escape the fear very badly. Fear is a distraction from faith. It's not the opposite of faith. It is a distraction from faith. Faith is always available to us. Fear is never greater than faith. If there is fear doing the will of God, there may be greater fear when you disconnect from his spoken will. When panic sets in, don't move. Jesus will come to you and strengthen your faith. That's his job as the author and finisher of your faith. You might wonder, why didn't Jesus tell Peter no? No. He doesn't have to discourage our attempts to show our faith in order to show us that our what our faith is, and it's an impulse, and it's not really Bible faith. There will come a day when the impulse will result in faith. But that wasn't the time for it. You ever had the the, just the thought come to you to do something and you've never done it before? You're not sure God's going to be there with you, but you step out and do it anyway and you find out God's there. It's the same thing Peter was feeling here, but this was not the time for that to happen for him. Number one, the, he didn't have the anointing for it. This, the anointing that Jesus had on the disciples was a totally different dispensation quality than what they received at Pentecost. So this was not the Pentecostal impartation. This was an anointing that would visit them to do certain tasks. they get the feel of it. But they knew the tasks to do, so when they got it as a permanent impartation, they know how to work with it. That's all. That's all you're doing here. A permanent impartation will come, and it's come to most of you now, for, for praying for the sick, for many, many things that are on a believer's level. You got me? Stay with the believer's level. If more is coming to you, it will come in due season. Amen? But start wanting to do more for God. He doesn't doesn't give you more if you're not doing more. It's just true. It's like, you know, just stay with your little 22. You don't need a luger you know what i'm saying or ruger whatever they, you know you don't need all that You don't need a 45 blow somebody's head off and you don't even know how to hold a gun and keep it from dropping out of your hand let's just stay with what you got amen it'll kill somebody you shoot them enough times i'm serious you keep laying hands on people with the little 22 you got they'll get healed Cause it's Jesus who does a healing. We just do the laying on of hands. It says, you lay hands on the sick and what? They will recover. The recovery's up to Him. Distraction, fear, panic, the sinking feeling. And that's what they had. That's what Peter had. That fact that he sank indicated that he had that feeling in him all along. You see what I'm saying? It was never dealt with. Any force that opposes the will of God must be dealt with in order for us to receive what God has for us. In other other words, you cross the finish line if you deal with all of these things that come up to hinder your faith from being constant and getting you there. Because that's what's going to get you there. It's holding on to your faith. Holding on to what you believe. Hold on to the sides of the boat. Grip what you need to grip in order to get there. But you hold on. Don't you give up. And don't you start talking about doing something else like Peter did. Because it will fail just like he did. And then when he, Peter had that sinking feeling in him all along. Never dealt with it. And when he got out there, even with the Lord's permission, he sank anyway. Amen. Number one, you cannot have a split will. You have to have a vision before you of one thing and stay with it. Many people give up on something and say they don't, but then they want to go off onto something else. Well, you know, I I really, I I thought I wanted to be a chef, but I don't want to do that no more. I wanted to huh. You know, you never had the confidence that J- Jesus would pull the chef out of you and you could make a living at it. But you could get it. But he won't. you won't let him help you get there. Well, I, I really thought I wanted to be a nurse, but I just can't stand blood. Well, we don't deal in blood all the time. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff you can deal in as a nurse and avoid the blood. Anybody with a brain to figure that out. Huh? you go in a you go in emergency room you might have you go in surgery that's all there is but you can get in some real safe areas like you know I I, I think I want to be one of them people that go and visit people in their homes and take care of me you better not bleed you see? that's how you take care of that you use your faith you know what I'm saying and so when we when we talk about Vision in God and and goals and trying to get there. You gotta keep with one thing. You can't have two and three different things that you want to do all of a sudden because it don't look like plan A is working out for you. You gotta stay with what He gives you. That's the testing of your faith. Why would you keep flunking over and over and over again? The test of your faith. Don't you get it? Don't you feel like you've been here before and you didn't accomplish that last thing and now you want something else and you think God's with you and going to help you with that? He don't even know where to find you. Well, I thought you was over here at nursing school. What you doing over here in mechanics? With them long nails on And No, you don't like to get grease on your hands. What you doing here? just a thought write the vision and make it plain once you start running with it keep running with it till you run out of road you run out of whatever but you keep running with it you need to obey the spirit of faith when it's moving you to accomplish something the disciples in the boat are too scared to get out but they know one thing they ain't getting out there with peter so I don't know what's that got into him now, but I know one thing. Jesus told me to stay in here, and I'm staying in here. Huh? Peter starts using his faith to go in a new direction. Many times we think we need to do something besides believe God and hold on to what he has promised. Distraction has the power to get you to change your goal or change your mind about what you want. Be careful when you switch up, when you change up. The tactic of the enemy is to leave us stranded in the boat that our faith has built or cause us to give up on the boat that our faith has built. If you stay in the boat, you'll get to the other side. But the enemy wants us to think that that boat's never going to make it there. And if he can get his attention, your attention on him long enough and get you to focus long enough on the distraction of how hard it is, how long it's been, is it ever going to happen? Did I hear God right? Did I not hear God right? Did he? I don't know if he told me this or not. He wants you to get you to the point where you say, God never told me he was going to do that for me anyway. See if he can get you there, you get out the boat and never get back in again. It's not, it's not so uncommon. There's so many believers. We, well, yeah, I started out over there with them people and what made you leave? They don't even know. The devil talked them out of it. See, anything that's thriving, and it's full of power. The devil don't want you there. They tell you anything about people. You know, they don't. They ain't going nowhere. They ain't got but a few people over there. Well, we got one fewer now because you leaving. You, you let your mouth talk you out of it. You understand what I'm saying? People get talked out of things. They get convinced out of things. If if something's valuable, you got to fight to hold on to it. Are you kidding me? You think it's just going to sit up there in your life and the devil going to let you enjoy it? Well, I don't think so. But see, you know, if you're too lazy to fight, you're too lazy to fight your own crazy thoughts. Huh? You know, I've had people over the years, they tell me stuff like, uh, I say, well, how'd you hear about us? Oh, sister, so-and-so told me about you. Now, they'll send people over here, but they won't come themselves. <laughs> and get on Facebook and accept and be in the pick. You see what I'm saying? So, well, at least they can give us a good report. But they're too confused to find out why they're not here. You understand what I'm saying? They're too busy listening to the devil tell them what's wrong with us. Instead of listening to God, tell them what's right. You understand what I'm saying? So if your carnal mindset is to find fault with things all the time, you need to correct that and correct it fast. Because that devil hinders more people from the good things of God. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to keep a healthy mindset. That's what I tell people. A healthy mindset is a mindset that believes all things, forgives everything, is encouraged quickly. You understand what I'm saying? We don't have to come dig you out of a rock and, and and give you an IV with the word in it to try to bring you back to life again and put the paddles on you. Clear! Boom! Uh, I used to hate that. It, you know, you could feel, because back in the day, honey, them sparks would fly everywhere. You know, I said, Oop, clear, I'm clear. Somebody told me they wasn't going to get tattoos on their chest. Not here, not here. (laughs) I mean, people that worked in in the biz, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I think it's a lot safer now or whatever, but back in the day, you know, anybody, we all went out of there with hair standing up on your head, but uh, how did I get over there? Anyhow, but, but you stay with God, you know, don't get yourself crazy like that. No, don't be so lazy to let the devil plant any idea in your mind and you dwell on it, fester on it. I wonder if Pastor Barb is a witch after all. You know, you. You know, people, come on now. Let's get real here. You know, you sit there year after year and still have negative thoughts. That's just crazy. Amen. (laughs) You're crazy. (laughs) You're crazy amen all right why don't we stop father we thank you for your word thank you for understanding thank you father we bless you lord we praise you lord hallelujah glory to god father i thank you that our faith is capable and will get us to the finish line faith is faith god is no respecter of persons if we pass the test we'll cross the line so we thank you, Lord, for giving us the assurance that what we're believing for will come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God.